0: Today, the fourth psychopharm commandment. Always stop Lomotrigine after an initial rash. Welcome to the Carlatt Psychiatry Podcast, keeping psychiatry honest since 2003.
1: I'm Chris Aiken, the Editor-in-Chief of the Carlatt Psychiatry Report.
0: And I'm Kelly Newsom, a psychiatric NP and a dedicated reader of every issue.
1: When Lamotrigine was released in 2003, it was the first new treatment for bipolar depression since lithium, and it was a game changer. Most mood stabilizers have enough tolerability problems to bring adherence down to the 50% range. But in the Lamotrigine studies, patients had more side effects on placebo than they did on the medication, with one exception, the rash. The
0: problem was rare. But it could be fatal, and that caused enough fear in psychiatrists that they were hesitant to adopt lamotrigine at first. And if they did try it out, they soon got burned, because benign rashes are very common on lamotrigine. 1 in 10 patients get a benign allergic rash after starting it, but only 1 in 3,000 developed the severe Stevens-Johnson one that we're worried about. Understandably, most psychiatrists were not comfortable managing this risk, as they had little training in dermatology. But Dr. Aiken, they did face the Stevens-Johnson's risk every time they prescribed carbamazepine, oxcarbazepine, or modafinil. So what made lamotrigine so different?
1: You're right. There's lots of meds that can cause Stevens-Johnson syndrome, including drugs that patients commonly take, like sulfa drugs for UTIs, minocycline, penicillins, cephalosporins, allopurinol for gout, and some NSAIDs. But the risk seemed bigger with Lamotrigine. It was thought to occur in 1 in 1,000 people, although we now know that it's more like 1 in 3,000 or even 1 in 5,000. And Lamotrigine got off on the wrong foot. When it was first released for epilepsy in the early 1990s, people started it at a therapeutic dose, like 100 milligrams a day. But that led to an alarming incidence of serious rashes In about one in a hundred patients, that nearly caused lamotrigine to be withdrawn from the market. But the drug company, GlaxoSmithKline, quickly pivoted and developed this slow titration protocol that reduced the risk of a rash. With the new protocol, the risk of serious rashes went down considerably from one in one hundred to one in three thousand. But interestingly, the risk of benign rashes stayed about the same, about 10%, 1 in 10.
0: And that brings us to our fourth commandment. Never deviate from the standard lamotrigine titration schedule. Remember, this medication would probably not even be on the market if it weren't for that schedule. For most patients, that means starting at 25 mg a day and raising to 50 mg a day after two weeks, and then 100 mg a day after two weeks. From there, you can titrate as needed. There are no specific precautions, but it's always wise to go slowly, such as raising to 150 mg after one to two weeks on 100 mg, to reduce the risk of side effects in general. There are a few exceptions to this rule, and they have to do with age and drug interactions. Patients on valproate, this one will double emotrigine levels, so reduce the dose by 50% at each stage of the titration. Patients on carbamazepine or phenobarbital, phenytoin, primidone, or nifampin, here you have to double the dose at each stage of the titration. The target dose in mood disorders is much lower than in epilepsy. Best to aim for a max of 200 milligrams a day. There is no clear evidence that higher doses work better unless there are drug interactions like the ones above. Valproate will double lamotrigine levels, so the max is 100 mg a day. And carbamazepine will cut them in half, so the max is higher at 400 mg with that one. There's one other drug interaction to consider, although it doesn't change the titration schedule. Estrogen-based contraceptions will lower lamotrigine levels by about 30-40%, to so you could go to 300 mg in those cases.
1: I see a lot of patients on high doses of lamotrigine for mood disorders, and unless the patient swears that the higher dose worked and lowering made things worse, I will usually lower lamotrigine down slowly in those cases, and usually they are no different or even better in terms of their cognition when we get to a lower dose. Lamotrigine is an odd one in that higher doses can worsen cognition, particularly word-finding ability. Or the patient will say they don't know which key to type on the keyboard or can't figure out which key to put into the door lock. But there is some evidence that lower doses, like 100 to 150 milligrams, improve cognition in bipolar disorder. That being said, we recognize that some patients are off the bell curve and need higher doses, like it is with any medication. Maybe they have genetic differences in their UGT metabolism of lamotrigine. But only about 2-5% of your patients should be off that bell curve, not all of them. There's another drug interaction to think about with lamotrigine, quetiapine, Seroquel, which we often combine with it for bipolar depression. The mechanism of this interaction is not known, but there is one study that found lamotrigine lowered quetiapine levels by about 30% but it doesn't go the other way around quetiapine does not change lamotrigine levels and if you ever hear that lamotrigine alters birth control levels that's not true either it's a rumor on the internet but we've looked into the research and there's no support of this
0: the rash risk also varies by age and it's higher in children and adolescents under age 18 This is a controversial area because lamotrigine is not FDA-approved for childhood bipolar, but it is approved and often used in pediatric epilepsy. And there are reasons to consider it in younger patients because its main benefits, the ones it is FDA-approved for, are for prevention. If you decide to use lamotrigine in that age group, you can use the every-other-day Depakote dosing for teenagers under age 18. But for children, you should check the PDR. They have exact dosing by weight there.
1: That's the first part of our Lamotrigine commandment, never deviate from standard hydration. And the PDR added another warning 10 years ago that Lamotrigine can also cause a rash if the patient has been off of it more than a week and then restarts at the old dose. I write this on all Lamotrigine prescriptions to prevent that. Quote, if off for more than one week, do not restart, call the doctor. And I even have a few patients who stop lamotrigine from time to time and are not inclined to call me when they do. You know, avoidance is part of depression. In those cases, I'll give an extra titration script that they can fill if they ever run out.
0: So that makes it easy, just stop lamotrigine. The hard part is figuring out whether you should send the patient to the emergency room or urgent care. Here are the signs of a more severe rash. Any of these and you'd want to get another set of eyes on them. We borrowed this from the dermatologic drug eruption scale. 1. Peeling or exfoliation of the skin, also called urethroderma. This is the most serious sign. It gets three points on the scale while all other signs get one point. 2. Purple spots on the skin, also called purpura. This is caused by venous bleeding under the skin, not a good sign. Blistering of the skin, this is where fluid-filled vesicles develop that may pop or blister. So a lot of fluid-filled bumps, which is different from mass peeling off of the skin. Also, tenderness or painful rash, any of these will get a point. 3. Involvement of the face, eyes, palms, soles of feet, genitals or mucous membranes. Generally, a benign rash is a flat lace-like red pattern on the chest, back, or arms. Severe rashes may also affect those central areas, but they also spread more outside of there. 4. Lymphadenopathy earns a point. 5. Fever, malaise, flu-like feelings, muscle pain, sore throat. Presence of any of these systemic signs earn a point because they are signs of systemic inflammation and allergy. 6. On labs e or elevated liver enzymes get a point.
1: That's five one-point items and one three-point item for a total score of eight. Any score of three or more on that scale should warrant a trip to the emergency room, and lower scores may as well, depending on the situation and your risk tolerance. By the way, if you want a paper copy of that scale, Google Lamotrigine, Side Effects, Chris Aiken, Psychiatric Times, and there's an article that has a copy of it in there. But when you tell patients to go to the emergency room in practice, they might skip out on your advice. It's too difficult or time-consuming or expensive. So here's what I do. I call in a six-day prednisone taper because that's the standard treatment And that's what's been prescribed every time my patients go to the ED with a rash. Don't try and memorize the dosing. Just Google six-day prednisone taper and call those doses in. Then I advise the patient to pick up the script and go to urgent care or the ED. That way, if they don't go, they'll at least get something to turn down the inflammation.
0: Why send them to urgent care at all if they're just going to give prednisone?
1: Besides getting another set of eyes on the rash, a little help in the diagnosis, as well as checking lymph nodes, labs, and temperature, they can also figure out if inpatient admission is necessary.
0: So far, things are black and white. Always stop Lamotrigine after a rash in the first two months. Always use standard titration and always re-titrate with standard titrations if they've been off for more than a week. Some would even say more than five days because that's how long it takes to get out of your system with this 24-hour half-life. But here's a gray area. I see a lot of patients with chronic bipolar depression, often the bipolar 2 type. After six weeks on Lamotrigine, they feel free of depression for the first time in years. But then we have to stop it because of a benign-looking rash. These patients begged me to go back on it. What can we do, Dr. Aiken?
1: Naturally, you'd want to try other evidence-based options for bipolar depression first. Lithium, the FDA-approved antipsychotics, pramipaxil, even omega-3 fatty acids, light therapy, and psychotherapy. But if they don't respond or can't tolerate other options, then you can consider retitration. I borrowed this technique from neurology clinics. They retitrate all the time because epilepsy is serious and they need to use the anticonvulsant. Well, bipolar is serious too. What they do is they start patients back at 5 milligrams a day and they raise by 5 milligrams every two weeks. So 5, 10, 15, 20. And once you get to 20 milligrams a day, you proceed to use the usual titration two weeks later starting with 25 milligrams a day. All in all, it takes about three months to get to a therapeutic dose, but for the patient who's going to need to be on something for depression probably their whole life, this option, if it helps and is otherwise free of side effects, can make all the difference.
0: What's been your experience with that?
1: I published a case series on this of 27 cases and included a review of another 48 cases from the neurology clinics. Here's what I found. 15% of these cases had a new rash, but there were no cases of Stevens-Johnson syndrome or of other serious things like toxic epidermal necrolysis. So we got a lot of benign rashes, which is a lot like what happens when you first try lamotrigine and there's a 10% risk of rash. In those cases, even though they were benign, we had to stop it and never tried it again. If you do this retitration strategy, here's a tip. Wait at least four weeks after the rash dies down. The rash risk was five times higher in patients who tried to retitrate earlier. It seems the body is in more of an inflamed state after the rash. And they go right back into it if you start too soon. And also, I would not retitrate in someone who had a serious rash, like a score of three or more on that dermatology scale, unless a dermatologist approved the procedure and you thought the depression was putting the patient's life at risk, which arguably depression does, since it takes 10 years off the lifespan on average. As we said earlier, carbamazepine, oxcarbazepine, and the modafinils can also cause Stevens-Johnson syndrome, so you would need to stop those as well if the patient gets any kind of rash after starting them. But those meds don't need any kind of special titration to prevent the rash. For carbamazepine, a genetic test predicts the risk of Stevens-Johnson syndrome in Asians. And the FDA requires that test before starting carbamazepine in people of Asian descent. The test is called HLA-B-1502, and it's available at any LabCorp, Quest, or similar lab. So that one is an absolute for carbamazepine in that population. And you absolutely cannot start the med if the test is positive in a person of Asian descent. That test though is not reliable enough to use in other populations and it's not reliable enough to predict a lamotrigine rash, although some researchers have recommended it before starting oxcarbazepine trileptyl in people of Asian descent. Now the FDA doesn't require it before oxcarbazepine, so that one's not an absolute, but here's the actual numbers so you can figure it out for yourself whether you're going to do it. This is from our new textbook, Prescribing Psychotropics. For HLA-B1502, a positive result in a person of Asian descent means they are 80 times more likely to develop a severe rash on carbamazepine and 30 times more likely to develop it on oxcarbazepine. With lamotrigine, they were only about two times more likely to develop the rash, so it didn't make any kind of meaningful statistical difference.
0: 80 times more likely. I can see why that's black and white. We'll be back in two weeks with The Fifth Commandment, about mixing benzos with high-dose opioids. Until then, catch us on Thursdays for a new edition of the podcast stream, Throwback Thursdays. We're dusting off our old episodes, updating the content and adding CME credits and give yourself some CME credit for listening to this episode through the link on the show notes.